Welcome to the What Do We Call This podcast. We're Alexa and Michelle, two friends in their 20s navigating adulthood, relationships, and the highs and lows of every stage of life. From getting laid off from a job to breaking down the latest reality TV show episode, each week you'll be ready for more awkward, raw, candid content. Let's get into it. Welcome back to What Do We Call This podcast. I'm Alexa. And I'm Michelle. And sorry, we took a week off, but it was much needed. (laughs) We'll get into why, I guess, um, during our highs and lows. But we wanted to do an episode on health, and there's a million different directions we could go with this. So we're just going to kind of see where it lands. Um, This might be like a six-parter that we follow up on later. (laughs) later in our lives (laughs) but we'll we'll just see where it takes us we'll just give you the general topic of health all right look forward (laughs) to what we have spewing out of our mouths after we do our highs and lows for the week all right okay i'll kick off highs and lows my high very exciting news is that i accepted a job offer somewhere new woo Yay. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I put my two weeks in last week with my job and I will be moving on to hopefully bigger and better things. It's going to be like a totally different dynamic than what I've worked in before. So I'm pretty excited. Um, Can you say like the type of company? You know, I don't want to say the name, but. Yeah, it's an agency setting. So I'll be doing social media stuff for them. So like for clients really, um, which I think will be very good for my creativity because I won't just be posting about the same types of things for Mm -hmm. two and a half years straight, you know? So it's going to be like a learning curve for sure. Like all new jobs, but I'm really excited. So that'll be starting in here in a couple weeks. And you're going to be remote, fully remote. Yeah, that's the best part. Which is the best part. Fully (laughs) remote. I never have to pack a lunch again if I don't want to. Mm -hmm. And that just thrills me to my core. (laughs) Yep. You can go travel, do whatever you want. You can visit me for like a month. Yeah. Great. I am very excited. So. I've already told Alexa that it's going to be the adventures of Hero and Harley, our dogs. <laughs> We're just going to buy a, a minivan or something or an RV and pack up our dogs. And a just... sprinter van. Yeah. <laughs> a minivan? No, a sprinter van. <laughs> a sprinter, well, a sprinter van just reminds me of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills because <laughs> they reference the sprinter brand, the sprinter van. Like it's it reminds me of Real Housewives of, of Salt Lake because oh my of God. everything that went down with Jen Shaw when they yeah. were in the sprinter van. <laughs> so much shit goes down in a sprinter van. I don't know if that's the way we want to go with it. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's my high for the week. I'm very excited for this new chapter and my low going along with that is all the shit I have to do to wrap up for my job. Mm -hmm. It's like, they're just now realizing what all I did and they're scrambling because they've taken me for granted for two years. And like, don't get me wrong. I love my team. I like, I enjoyed my job. Um, 
but man, they are going to be kind of lost without me. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you should have paid me more. So. <laughs> Moral of the story. Yeah. Pay your employees, guys. Yeah. Know their worth. So, yeah. Yeah. What about okay. you? Well, per usual, I have not prepared. So let's see what I can come up with off the top of my head. Um, the high for the week. Let's see. Well, since we didn't record last week, I'll just combine the last couple of weeks. Um, my friends, Erica and Steph came to visit me in New Orleans and we dressed up as a rock band, still a nameless rock band. We couldn't come up with a name, but my character's name was Vicky. Um, she was great. I got lots of compliments. I wore this really fun wig and it was a good time. It was a good weekend. My low for the week. I don't know. Just the fact that I have to work every day um, has, been, <laughs> <laughs> uh, has been a little bit draining this past week. I've just had some really hard projects to work on. I don't know. I don't really have a good low. So yeah, just I mean, positive no vibes low. here, you know? Yeah. No low is a good thing. <laughs> we'll take it. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Wait, wait, wait. Can we talk about what our favorite Halloween spooky shows, movies have been before we move on? Yeah. This is a really controversial topic for me because my standards are so incredibly high. Yeah, I was just about to say, I don't know what, like where this came from, but every rating that you've given has been very harsh of all of it's the, really harsh. the movies this holiday season. Your worst movie is going to be Barbarian, isn't it? I mean, recently, yeah, just because I had such high expectations, like the previews freaked me out when I saw them mm-hmm. and I was anticipating the release of this movie like no other. And I was like, this is going to be the one. It's going to knock the strangers off of the number one spot that that's been in for like a decade. And it, it got really not... good reviews too, like 90% yeah. on Rotten Tomatoes. People were raving. People still are raving about it on Twitter. And I don't really understand why. I started laughing when, um, what's that actor's name? The guy who owns the house. Justin Long. When he started, like when he was introduced in the movie, like it was all downhill from there. It was just, it turned into a comedy movie from there. It did. And that's almost how I feel about it too. And I think it was the same, like, um production or whatever company that did it like it almost became a comedy at one point and I was like I don't know how to feel about this and that's how Barbarian became like it started off really strong like the beginning the first 20 to 30 minutes I was like oh my god this is really creepy I don't know where this is gonna go and then I was like holy shit there's still like an hour and a half left (laughs) <laughs> and it it just went downhill. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I I would give the Barbarian movie a rating of like 6 out of 10. It had really oh. good potential, but it just didn't follow through. Yeah, no, I'd give it a 2. I was <laughs> I was really disappointed. 
I was ready to like sleep with the lights on. That's what I was hoping for. So yeah. Um, okay, but you know what has been really great was the twenty eight days. The twenty eight days haunting, or what was that called? Twenty eight days haunted. Yeah, haunted. That that was freaky, man. I couldn't watch that in the dark. Yeah, that that, that was one like actually true story shit. Yeah, that one actually had me closing my bedroom door at night, which like I never do. Oh. So that, Wait, I have to – this is just on my mind today because I sent this TikTok to my family, but I just learned today that it's really bad to sleep with your door open in case a fire were to happen. Did I send that to you? No, I didn't. No, but – You're just nodding your head as if you know this. No, people have told, told me <laughs> that. <laughs> okay, well, um, PSA, you should sleep with your door closed in case there's a fire – like outside in your kitchen or living room or whatever, and it will take longer to get to you if your door is closed. I just like to subject myself to. Okay, sure. The, just ignore the risk. <laughs> ignore the warnings. Okay, <laughs> whatever. Um, no, but Twenty Eight Days Haunted was really good. It's basically it's a short series on Netflix, and they take these paranormal investigation teams and. There's four sets of them? No, three. Three. Yeah. three. And they lock them basically in like a haunted house or hotel or uh, building for 28 days to try to like figure out what's going on there. And they don't give them any background of what's happened in the past or where this location even is. Like they blindfold them getting there. And the shit that happens is actually so frightening. <laughs> and yeah, I think- these are um, like trained professionals in the like I don't even what do you call these people? Paranormal like- investigators. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Here's <laughs> me forgetting that. words again. <laughs> <laughs> well, and like the fact that I mentioned that about thirty seconds ago. But okay, go on. sure. <laughs> Well, they're trained professionals, and so, like, if they just popped, like, average people into these homes, we'd be like, what? What's going on? So they're actually trying to, like, call these spirits to come out and talk to them to, like, gather information about what happened at the house. I just feel like I need to preface that. Right. Yeah. And, like, they're – I guess they all have, like, a loose mission of trying to help these spirits actually cross over and not just remain in the – weird purgatory that they're in i don't know yeah the show made me really scared to die actually because i was like oh my god am i gonna get stuck in this like in between universe (laughs) world thing where i am like just stuck wherever i died like what if i die in the worst like the most boring place possible or like a mall or something like that Michelle Parker, the ghost of the mall. (laughs) I also want to throw in um, The Midnight Club because I did really like it. You haven't watched it, have you? I started it and I'm already bored. Should I see it through? Well, I, I I feel like this is one you could hate or enjoy, but it's more of a drama than a, like, haunted, spooky thing. I don't know. It's, it's really interesting. Like, it's made me cry. It's made me laugh. It's like a really emotional show. I don't know how to describe it. But they go really deep into each of the characters and like their backgrounds and stuff. It's really interesting. Okay. It's very emotional because it's centered around these 
kids um, who are in a hospice and they're dying. And so there's a spooky element to it. Like there's a lot of like jump scare scenes. Um, but for the majority of it, like they're talking about like the fact that they're dying and how sad it is and trying to accept that fact. Um, and they meet at midnight every night in the midnight club and tell like ghost stories that they make up. I don't know. It's really, it's more of like a cute, sad drama than it is like a scary show, but there's still scary elements to it. Gotcha. I do have a book recommendation too that I want to shout out. Um, So if you're a crime or scary podcast listener, you know, the morbid podcast and one of the co-hosts of that, Elena, wrote a book called The Butcher and the Wren, and I just finished it. I read it in three sittings. I loved it. It was totally different than any like thriller book I've read, and I thought she did a really, really good job with it. So that was actually our book club book that we will be discussing at book club um, this week, and I'm excited to get everyone's opinions on it because I loved it. That's cool. I need to start a new book. <laughs> what? That's cool. <laughs> like, I don't care. No, I mean, big book fan. Love books. I just haven't read any in like months. So I know. I go through waves. Like, right now, I'm just like cranking out books, but then I'll go through a six month period mm-hmm. and I won't touch one. So. Yeah, I'm in a six month no touching period right now, but I just got gifted a book a couple of weeks ago. I think I'm going to pick it up. I'm a person, though, like, if I start reading a book, I'm not going to stop. So I will, I need to make sure I don't have anything to do for a couple of days because it will be like the thing that I think about nonstop. Like, I will go to bed. <laughs> thinking about when I can wake up to start reading the book again. And then I will wake up at 6 a.m. way earlier than I usually do to start reading so I can get closer to finishing it. And then I will delay working until I have the book done. So it's it's honestly like a toxic relationship for me. (laughs) So I got to take it easy with books. Yeah. Yeah, this one I stayed up one night until 2 a.m. and had to get up like see that's what i mean (laughs) yeah i i truly could not put it down i was like i've got to finish it and then i i kept like prying my eyeballs open because i was falling asleep oh my god yeah i had to wait till the next night but yeah it was a really good 10 out of 10 recommend okay let's get into the topic of health do you want to start by kind of talking about your personal health journey because i know we've both been through kind of the ringer with (laughs) health personally and especially over the past like two or three years Mm -hmm. okay well i growing up was the typical child who ate like pop tarts and cereal and chicken nuggets and pizza rolls and toaster strudels and little debbie desserts whatever those are called debbie cakes whatever little debbie she made some great desserts <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, you had it you had it right with little debbie okay <laughs> and going to mcdonald's and waffle house and you know it's just the epitome of healthy eating when i was younger 
I feel like everybody, though, was like that in the 90s after all these fast food options got introduced. So anyways, I would consider my health, myself healthy, though, growing up because I was always in sports and I was always really active and outside and whatnot. But looking back now, I can see that my eating choices were terrible and no offense to my parents, but it's partially their fault. <laughs> But um, I'm still alive, so it's fine. I have no regrets. Anyways, I (laughs) um, probably didn't realize that anything was really... I don't want to say something was, like, wrong. But in college, I guess I started to notice that I was a little bit different than others and that I felt extremely tired all the time and my hair was falling out and... I was, like, ultra skinny in college when I look at... I mean, I think everybody was, I guess. But when I look at photos, I'm like, holy crap, I had nothing to my body. Um, So I started slowly making changes in college of trying what I could to eat better. So I tried going vegetarian, which I did for a year in college, actually. Wow, that's a long time to last, especially in college. Yeah, and what's really funny, (laughs) I'm going to tell this funny story, but um, there was this bar in college that people would go to for happy hour on Fridays called Murphy's um, at Cincinnati's campus, and they had free hot dogs for everybody. And I used to just grab, because I was a vegetarian, I would grab a bun and then put ketchup on it and just eat the bun with ketchup, which is just That's so gross. So disgusting. <laughs> That's worse than eating the actual hot dog in my opinion. But I was so drunk that I needed to eat something. So I'm like, yeah, whatever. I'm just getting this bun with ketchup. Just so disgusting. But that's how committed I was to being a vegetarian. Good for you. More power to you. Um, I drank a lot in college. I'm sure that totally wrecked my body. Like I can't even imagine the stress that I was putting on my body drinking every weekday pretty much. I mean, I think I took Mondays off. Um, but drinking the rest of the week and then staying out late, you know, until 2 a.m., then waking up at 7, 8 in the morning to go to class and then studying, like, oh, my God. I, I just imagine my body was just like, what the hell is going on? So stressed all the time. I also was a server in college, and so I had to work, like, crazy hours and serving as a job in general is just, like, so stressful. So... I think my body went through the ringer in college for sure. And being a vegetarian, 100% probably made things worse. I know that now, like, no, I don't want to get into, like, why different diets are, like, harmful to your body because I know people have, like, beliefs as to why they think a diet is, like, good for them. So if you're a vegetarian, like, no judgment there. Um, personally for me, I just know that that's not like what I need. I just feel like I was lacking totally in like calories and totally undernourishing myself. And you can tell by looking at the photos of me in college and I was like 120 pounds, if that, just so stick thin, exhausted all the time, like had to take naps every single day, like was an, was a normal thing for me. So anyways, in college, after I tried the vegetarian thing, it didn't really work out. I started cooking 
um, all the time as opposed to eating out. And then that kind of carried on to after college. And I got really into working out, lifting weights and cooking. And I feel like I did really well at that. And you and I were working out and, you know, cooking and stuff together for those years after college um, when we really started to become friends. And I feel like we were both pretty healthy during that time. Um, I, around that time, I kind of discovered that I had hypothyroidism, which did not come as a shock to me because both my parents have it and my sister. Um, and so I got put on the medicine. It didn't work, which kind of led me down this rabbit hole of the last like three years or so doing a lot of research into why thyroid disease even starts in the body in the first place, um, and how you can manage it with food. So over the last few years, I've been doing, um, like reading books, listening to podcasts, buying courses, um, buying specific cookbooks and like really trying to figure out like how I can heal my body nutritionally and naturally. And that has also included, you know, like less alcohol consumption. And I've, we did the sober curious episode cause that's definitely been something that's on my mind for the last year of like, if I cut out alcohol, like how much better would my body for this. And so all of these things have kind of been in my mind lately and I've dived into making like my own bread with sourdough and I'm trying to get into finding raw dairy locally and a lot of like other kind of crazy things. But I used to, I've tried all the things like I've tried doing gluten-free diet, I've tried paleo, I've tried Whole30, um, just like all the things and I don't know, I just feel like Looking back, I can see how a lot of those things were damaging to me because when you do an elimination diet like that, you're most likely eliminating some sort of like mineral or vitamin that your body needs and you're not replenishing it with like something else. Um, Like a lot of people who go dairy-free, they're missing the vitamins and minerals like in milk and cheese and stuff, but they don't replace it with other foods. So anyways, that's... I'm... I don't know how to like stop rambling on this topic because well, I feel like I could talk forever, but yeah, there, there's my start. <laughs> it's kind of funny too, because I feel like you're like one to two years ahead of me and now I'm experiencing everything that you experienced like a year or two ago. Mm-hmm. And we're kind of on this very similar journey of like trying to identify these problems and the root causes of all these weird symptoms that we have that we've lived with for so long that just aren't normal. Like I am totally with you on the taking naps every day. Like that's just become a way of life for me. Like I cannot function without a nap. I'm exhausted by like four or 5 PM. And so like going into my kind of health journey, it's very similar. Like honestly in college, I worked out like a handful of times and I was so so skinny and I didn't even realize it. And of course, you know, totally abusing alcohol, eating like shit. Um, I worked at B-dubs for a really long time. I worked at another bar and I would just eat their food constantly. Like it's actually disgusting to think about now. Um, but learning more and more. And I think my friendship with you has really helped that. Well, when we met, you were working out at the cycling studio a lot, but I introduced you to weightlifting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So then, like, at age 23, 
it was kind of weird how it happened. Like I hit age 23 and I just gained an insane amount of weight out of nowhere. And I'd never, I'd been able to go through all these terrible habits my entire life without gaining a pound. So this was like really shocking to me. And so then I finally got into working out regularly. I was cycling. Um, I started cooking a lot more once I moved into an apartment of my own. And yeah, then once we became friends, we were lifting, we were like sharing recipes and it just became kind of a habit for us. And that worked great for me up until the past like year and a half. And even though my habits are, I think, pretty good at the foundation, like I just went through a complete like weight gain spurt, um, total like mood disorder thing where it just like escalated. Um, anyway, all these weird symptoms, like my feet are always cold. So that means my circulation's off, etc. So recently, like in the past two weeks, I've gone to a naturopathic functional medicine doctor. And now we're working on getting to the root causes because long story short, my thyroid autoimmune labs are coming back positive. And I've been to like four doctors and no one can figure out why. Um, so it's been quite the process. Oh, you have antibodies now? I thought you didn't. Nope. Yeah. Um, that first set of labs that I got back in February from my primary care physician, they it showed that my ANAs were positive. So then I went to two other doctors and it's my thyroid autoimmune globulin. Yeah, yes. TPO. Yeah, that's positive. And so it's now it's possible I'm, to get the, those numbers down, by the way. So, when yeah. you don't have an autoimmune response anymore, usually if they're elevated, you are going through like my numbers change all the time. Um, if they're elevated, I can usually tell, like, yeah, I was really stressed the last few months. Yeah, I mean, I've gotten, God, probably like 10 blood draws over the past six months and it's been exhausting honestly but now I feel like I've got a plan and I I truly feel like traditional medicine has failed me like I went to four doctors and countless appointments and countless tests and basically the endocrinologist that was supposed to help me with this kind of thing, this is their specialty. They put me on Synthroid, a thyroid medicine, and said, good luck. <laughs> so yeah. my, faith, my faith in traditional medicine has just totally diminished over the past couple months. I do agree with your sentence of you being a couple of years behind because I was doing all of these things um, back in like 2020, 2019 meeting with all these different types of doctors ultimately i feel like maybe if you're not getting anywhere with who you're working with though i still feel like it's informative for you to learn about the process and to learn that teaching yourself a lot of these things and doing your own research is empowering because when you start to go to doctors and they're not giving you answers it's like 
well, why don't you have the answers? And then you try and find different doctors who might have the answers and they don't either. So then you realize like, okay, I need to start doing some of this research myself and figuring things out myself. Um, and it forces you to learn more about how the body operates. Like I never used to understand how the metabolism worked until recently, until I started doing my own research. Um, like I didn't realize a year ago that if I, if you have cold hands and feet all the time, like that's because of your slow metabolism, like not working properly. If you have like hair falling out or brittle nails, it's the slow metabolism, like low libido, slow metabolism, like all these things that can be reversed with diet and lifestyle. But a lot of women especially just think that these things are normal. Um, like, yeah, women are always cold all the time, but we don't have to be like our internal body temperatures can be like normal and elevated. So it's crazy how much misinformation is out there too. And I think something a lot of people don't realize is when scientists are doing studies on like different diets or doing different tests, majority of the time they are testing on men. So a Mm. lot of the things that, for example, the keto diet. And intermittent fasting is only tested on men. It is only tested on men. They don't test these on women. And people can argue all they want about the similarities or differences of men and women's bodies, but the the fact of the matter is they're just different. Our body, especially having a cycle, does not work the same way that a male's body does. And I think that gets so lost in translation when the topic of health comes up because, you know, my dad, for example, is just a primary example of it. Like, he loses weight like no one's business if he goes for one run. Like, he'll Mm -hmm. go for a run and drop like 10 pounds that week. Or if he just stops eating Cheetos for five days, he'll just drop weight like crazy. So he keeps pushing me to run. And I'm like, I have tried everything. I have tried the intense cardio workouts. I've tried running. I've tried intermittent fasting. I've tried all these different diets and workouts and everything. And nothing is working. So there's obviously something internal going on. And chances are, if you're having weird symptoms that, like, just shouldn't be part of your daily life. It's all interlinked and it probably has to do with your gut. That's like one thing I've really learned. Yeah. And your, your body probably doesn't want to lose weight right now. Like it's holding on to it as safety weight because there's something else going on. So it's like, I don't have the energy right now to expend to losing weight. Like I need to hold on to this because it's like, I need to keep this body safe because something else is going on internally. Yeah. And I think back to what you said about doing your own research and how empowering it is. It gives you a leg up on when you're going to these doctor appointments and you're asking the right questions and it helps you know how to truly advocate for yourself. And that's something that I've really had to do lately. And, you know, luckily when I went to my naturopathic doctor, um, about a week and a half ago, I was explaining to her all the research I've done and she was super impressed. And she was like, you're on the right track, but like, you also can't do this alone. Like 
obviously we're not medical experts. We don't have a background in this. And the only experience we really have is our own to go off of. So that's why it's good to have someone in your corner and someone who really knows their stuff to be on your side. I also think knowing what you're talking about too, allows you to interview different potential like holistic practitioners to work with as well. Like this latest girl that I'm working with, I did a lot of research um, on her website and and within talking to her kind of like talked about the things that I've been like gaslit before on. And we like, I discovered that we, her and I were on the same page. So that's why I chose to work with her. But a lot of the other doctors have just been like, well, they've got the title and they went to school. They know what they're talking about. Like that's how it was Mm -hmm. in the past, which is absolutely cannot like nobody's perfect. And there's a lot of, I I don't want to like diss the medical community at all, but there was a lot of matches that I had that just were not a good fit. Like people who did not want to listen to ideas that I had brought to the table. And I'm not saying that I show up to doctor's appointments. I'm like, we should try this. Like I listen to what their opinions are, but I also question some of their decisions too. Like if someone wants to put me on a medicine, like why do you want to put me on this medicine? Like, what do you think this is going to help as opposed to just agreeing with what they say and doing like, okay, sure. I'll go on this medicine. Like I'm trying to advocate for myself and do my own research, like prior to going into an appointment so that I at least know the questions to ask them and like, know, you know, make sure that they know what they're talking about as well. Totally. Yeah. And I don't think it's necessarily their fault. You know, I've talked to a lot of people recently about this and really it sounds like doctors and nurses are just trained to fix the problem as quickly as they can. And oftentimes that is with medicine and, you know, another pill is not something I want to be on for the rest of my life. Like I want to figure out what is actually causing these issues that I'm experiencing. And I think a lot of this has to do too with birth control. Like I suffered from really, really extreme periods in my teen years. And, you know, my first gynecologist appointment, I was put on birth control and I was on it for 13 years. Um, 13? Holy shit. Wait, how old are you? uh, 15 or 16 when I went on it. Yeah. And I just got off of it in the past year. And so I've never known what my body's functioned like without it. And I'm realizing now that, you know, the acne that I've developed that I've never had in my life until the past year was just being covered up by this Band-Aid that is birth control that has become such a normal, like, fix for any hormonal issues that women are having. It is so crazy yeah, it's now. literally just putting a Band-Aid on your problems. Yeah. You're going to have to face them eventually. Like, you can't be on birth control your whole life. I don't I just think it gets prescribed so easily. I was on it for seven years, and I didn't have a period for those seven years. And all the doctors, like, every gynecologist appointment, I would say, I don't have a period. Is this normal? And they would all say yes. Now I know that's not fucking normal at all like Mm -hmm. i should have been having a period for seven years like it's insane and it took me 
a year after getting off birth control to finally start ovulating again, which is wild to me that like that totally effed up my whole like ovulation. Like I probably wasn't ovulating for seven years. Like that is crazy to think about. (laughs) Yeah. Like that's not normal. Like the amount of stress that that was probably putting on my body as well is like I've had to really like take a step back in the last year and think of like all of the damaging things that have been done to me, like birth control, excessive drinking and excessive stress, um, like not eating really well in high school, college and childhood and realizing now like I'm doing all the right things now. Like I know in my gut like what I'm doing is working. The progress is just incredibly incredibly slow and it's going to be because if you think about like the last 20 years of my life I was doing all the quote-unquote wrong things like it's gonna take a long time for the body to heal itself and it that's a true testament like when I just said I it took a year of me getting off of birth control to start ovulation again like that is a prime example of like I was on it for seven years it took over a year for my body to like get back to normal Yeah. I think that like society is becoming more aware of all the dangers and misinformation of things like birth control and other just quick fixes that we're used to like seeing, you know, beyond the pill is a great resource. I read that book. Um, there's so many podcasts and, different avenues you can take to like research this stuff like michelle took a really great course that was all Mm -hmm. about like how to heal your body through food and just kind of listening to what it's telling you um but bottom line is that you really need to kind of do the work on your own first i think to know how to advocate for yourself and to know what exactly you're getting into because it's a Mm -hmm. lot and it's again, stressful to take on, you know, like I was having like mental breakdowns during this whole process while I was trying to like work. And then I'm getting calls from my doctors saying, yeah, we still don't know what's going on with you, but we think you have an autoimmune disease. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like it's such a mind fuck, but I feel like people are at least becoming a little more privy to how your bodies should function and how to help them function optimally. Mm-hmm. And I also just want to note that we're not anti-birth control. Like if you're on it, you know, whatever you do, you, but I think that as a community, I think doctors um, should do a better job at informing patients of like what the risks are for it. Because at least when I got on it seven or it wasn't seven years ago. It was like nine years ago. Um, I was told of no risk, like nothing of like, oh, you might not have a period or, um, well, I guess nothing else really happened to me <laughs> on it. Um, but some people develop acne. Some people get weight gain. Um, I don't know other things, but they're not told what those risks are. And I feel like a lot of people just go on medications nowadays and they're just uneducated. I just feel like you kind of have to you know, go the extra length and do some of your own research before deciding to make a major life decision like that. Yeah. And it's funny. We talked recently about how you used to pop an Advil anytime like a minor ache came Mm -hmm. about. 
Yeah, and- I was addicted to um, <laughs> ibuprofen and acid- acetaminophen. However, you say that word. <laughs> like I mean, all like all the fucking time. I also have chronic back pain, which I'm like working on getting better. It's also due to like inflammatory things in my body. But I would just take like Advil, you know, like, oh, I'm having a bad back day. Like I'm going to pop some Advil. But I have stopped doing that in the last six months. Like I've probably only taken it like two or three times in the last six months. Yeah. And I was talking to my coworker about this recently too. And she was like, oh, I'm the same way. If I even feel the thought of a headache come on, I pop Advil. And we were talking about how like now people are realizing how unhealthy that kind of is for your body and how typically, you know, symptoms like a headache, it's headache, Jesus, Um, (laughs) (laughs) symptoms like a headache, (laughs) (laughs) headache, oh my God, um, it's your body's way of signaling that something's not exactly right. Yeah, that's it's another just like put a band-aid on it to get through the day, which oh, listen, I get it. I've been hungover, I need to take an Advil. Like Oh god, yeah. I've been there, done that for sure. But yeah, I think um recently I'm like, you know, maybe I need I need my body to develop its own like ways of learning how to heal like what's going on. As opposed to just, like, taking an Advil. Like, if I have a headache, like, mm, something else is probably going on. Like, maybe I should figure out what that is as opposed to just popping an Advil. Yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of funny, too, now that people (laughs) who are in similar situations or lifestyles that we are in, it's this whole crunchy fad People are calling them like crunchy moms just because oh, they yeah. like I make their own crunchy AF. <laughs> <laughs> and you, listen, a year ago, I thought that was such bullshit too. And I was like, what the fuck is this crunchy movie? Wait, why like, is it called crunchy? Like what weird word? Like why? Why did they I don't crunchy? know, but I think it should be something else because when I think crunchy, I think of like potato chip and yeah. that's the complete opposite of what we're doing. Yeah. But it is becoming a whole movement, but I think the label makes it sound kind of hokey and kind of like any other fad diet or trend. Um, I, yeah, I would just like to say, I hate how it is becoming a movement and like, maybe it's just like us who follow like healthy accounts, but I don't like how it's becoming like a trend now of people are like trying this like new diet uh, because I don't feel like this is a diet that I'm doing right now. Like I'm prioritizing, maybe like we should just talk about like what we're eating, but I am prioritizing eating like everything that's like grown out of the ground or from an animal. And that's it. Like I'm not eating like all the processed shit that's out there nowadays. Like I'm buying all fruits and vegetables and meats and dairy and like that's what i'm eating like it's really just going back to the basics of how people were eating like a hundred years ago is how i'm eating now so i don't feel like it should be called a diet but when i talk to people about it it's like really radical to them that i'm like 
oh my god what do you mean you're not eating like chips and like that's normal stuff that people eat like you're not eating slices of bread that you buy at the grocery store like no i'm making my own bread and that's like a wild and crazy concept to people but like this is how everybody used to eat from like the beginning of time up until like the 50s (laughs) when people started you know making things like really quickly for production for mass amounts of people so yeah, but I don't know what else to call it when I talk to people because I yeah. just say I, – I, I label it now like a pro-metabolic diet to people, but I don't like calling it that because I'm really just like eating what how people should be eating. Yeah, it has become like a taboo kind of conversation and it's a lot of information, but really I think when you simplify it in the way that you just did of just like going back to the basement, the basement <laughs> – the basement yeah are you okay i think i'm having a stroke (laughs) i just short-circuited for a minute there (laughs) (laughs) going going back to the basics yeah but i think when you think of it that way it's a little more digestible no pun intended um yeah. But it's easier for people to really understand. People, like, overthink everything, too. I mean, and I am so guilty of doing this years ago. But I used to, like, count all of my macros and, like, read every single, like, calorie label and how much fat and protein and everything was in there. And they, like, think that it's, like, a little science experiment of, like, every morning, like I need to check all the labels and input everything into my fitness pal. And like, I understand there's a time and place for that, especially for people who just like have no idea how to eat. Like you need somewhere to start, but I feel like it consumes your mind so much that the, the thought of eating becomes so stressful to you that the stress of that is like worse than the stress of you just like eating a freaking cookie. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just think people are so like over consumed with eating and analyzing everything now. And it's like, Hey, you know, wake up and make like eggs with like breakfast sausage and a banana. You're good to go. Like you don't need to overthink all these things. Yeah. And Oh God, the tracking macros and all that is probably, oh, I've done that for years. Like conversation. I, yeah, I can't judge people who are doing that. I've done no. that for years. Well, and it's funny too, because when I was going through this unexplainable weight gain period, people were asking me, well, like, have you tried tracking your food? I'm like, yeah, I did that for years. And for me, it's such a slippery slope of like disordered eating that it turns into because then you feel so limited. And years ago when I was doing it, I got to the point where like the thought of going off of my macros for the day and like strain from it or going out to eat with friends made me physically nauseous because mm-hmm. I was so stressed out about how I'm not hitting my macros for this meal. Mm-hmm. And that can be a whole separate conversation on its own, but it really doesn't have to be as complicated as I think we're used to making it out. Yeah, I used to get so stressed because my caloric goal used to be 1,400 calories. Oh, my God. LOL. (laughs) For, like, years. Low. For years, I was only eating 1,400, 1,500 calories, which is mind-blowing to me. I now know, as in, like, literally just the last two years that our bodies – 
women's bodies are supposed to be having closer to 2000 calories. Like I probably eat between 2000 and 2200 calories a day if I had to guess. And I do occasionally track my food like once every like four or five months or so just to make sure that I'm hitting like eating enough during the day. I can tell a difference now because I think like prior to the last couple of years, I was only eating like 1500 to 1800 calories a day. Um, now I can tell a difference in energy levels, like body temperatures, like painless periods, like all of these like positive things that have been happening from simply eating enough calories. And of course I have gained weight in the last couple of years. I've gained between 10 and 15 pounds. I'm becoming more accepting of the fact that like, this is what my body should be at. Like being skinnier than this is not necessary it's only damaging because i feel like everybody has this goal of being like a size like four or a size two or a size six and like that's not necessarily practical for a lot of people and i don't i don't like necessarily want to be that thin again because i just think of like all of the unhealthy um signs that my body was signaling to me when i was that skinny that I was ignoring and I do feel like so much better overall. And like, it is really hard to deal with like weight gain that you didn't ask for, but it's also your body's way of saying like, Hey, we feel, we feel safe now, like to start healing some of your the other parts of your body that have been going through hell. So like, I don't have cold hands and feet anymore, which is like a huge win to me. Like if I had to gain a few pounds so that I'm not cold anymore, like fine, <laughs> yeah, I'm okay with that. I think that is so powerful what you just said. And I feel like people need to rewind that little bit <laughs> and listen to it again, because a lot of people who have been on similar journeys will most likely agree. Obviously I'm not totally there yet, but, um, like Ariel Laurie, who she's the host of the blonde files podcast, which is very wellness based. She's been on a similar journey as what I'm going through currently and what you've been through. And she'll talk about how she used to just basically starve herself, eat a thousand to 1200 calories a day and do the Kayla Cena's bikini body guide. Like, Oh my God. Same. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, I was so, I realize now that my body was so deprived and that it did come along with all these symptoms that I never want again. So will I ever be that stick thin again? Probably not, but it's worth it to me to be in like this healthy body that I know can function day in and day out without any issues. Mm -hmm. so. um, a huge symptom that I noticed at once I started actually eating like what I should be eating, like closer to 2000 calories a day was that my overall mood was just so much happier, like in general, like I stopped having like, um, mood swings on like little things, you know, like if my dog was barking like crazy and I'd want to be like, shut the fuck up. Like, <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I'm like way more gentle now. I'm like, okay, this is annoying, but it's fine. Like this moment will pass kind of thing. Like, I don't know. I'm just like way less temperamental, I think, than I was a few years ago. Like I would snap a lot easier, 
at things that would annoy me, like things that Nolan would say. And now I'm just like, it's fine. You know, I'm good. (laughs) I can't wait to get there because right now I'm in that irritability phase. (laughs) Nate, Nate said something that pissed me off the other day and I can't even remember what it is. And then 20 minutes later, he was like, man, you didn't want to be near me like 20 minutes ago. I was like, yeah, <laughs> I was a different person back then. <laughs> well, think about how um, irritable people are when they're hangry. Like if you've gone a long time without eating and everything that somebody says is like going to piss you off because you're like, I'm so freaking starving. Like where's my next <laughs> meal coming from? Like that's pretty much how a lot of people are living like chronically day to day. They just don't really realize it because their bodies like has stopped sending them hunger cues but their body is hungry for more food. Mm -hmm. Um, Like something that was like life-changing for me in the last couple of years was like eating within an hour of waking because I used to not eat, like I would wake up at seven and not eat breakfast until 10 or 11 in the morning. And ever since I started eating breakfast right away, like I I just feel like a whole new person now. And it's hard to explain until you start experiencing it. But I just feel so much better, like, actually eating food. And, I don't know, intermittent fasting is, like, such bullshit in my opinion. Yeah. Actually, I want to touch on that real quick because, for me, it was such a wake-up call when we went to Costa Rica. And and we had those big breakfasts. Like, that is me every day. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, how is everyone eating this like quickly after they wake up? I can't even think about eating for like two more hours because I've trained myself to intermittent fast for years now. I mean, it's probably And a lot been- of people just do that accidentally. Like they just wake up and they have coffee and then they're not hungry again for a few hours. Ugh. Oh, that's I want to help all these people. <laughs> yeah, that's totally me. And now like it just clicked for me that I realize now that I I don't wake up hungry because my metabolism my metabolism is so slow and that's been part of a side effect of intermittent fasting that I'm like my eyes just were completely opened and I realize how not normal it is to wait. Wait, so have you been trying to eat when you wake up now since Costa Rica? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've been really good about it and Do you feel better? I do. <laughs> I do. I mean, I get through the morning with way more energy, especially yeah, when I'm, like less irritability because you actually have food in your system as opposed to just totally. coffee. Yeah. yeah. And you know, some days I'm still a little bit off with it. Um, it's still like a habit that I'm trying to practice and get into a routine, but it's just things like that, that we've been so like, it's been so ingrained in our heads that oh, if you're eating, like you shouldn't eat between the hours of this and this. And I remember texting, I texted the group, like our group chat at one point and it was like 9.30 and I was like, I'm fucking starving, but it's 9.30 and you're like, Alexa, just fucking eat. Yeah. (laughs) You you can eat after 8 p.m. It's not going to hurt you. And I was like, wow, you're right. Yeah. It's like bullshit. If you're hungry at 10 p.m., then eat food. Like your body mm-hmm. wants food, then eat it. Like it's going to yeah. be more damaging if you let those hunger cues like just grow and get worse. Right. Oh, there's so much I could say about this. <laughs> well, and this is truly just the beginning of us touching on health. Like I do want to do an episode of where we get into societal standards and thinspo and how 
disordered eating has totally like become part of our normal culture. I think it'd be interesting to in to continue this conversation to talk about like how to be more confident in the body that you're in now and to stop looking back at photos of like, oh my God, I used to be skinny five years ago because I I feel like I haven't recently like accepted the waking that I have had in the last couple of years up until the last couple of months. Um, and it's taken me like a long time to get there. And so I, I feel like, I'm now accepting of the fact that, okay, I'm not like no longer, I'm no longer 20% body fat, but that's such an unhealthy body fat percentage anyways. Like we really should be closer to like 26%, like 28%. And that's where I'm at right now. And like, I'm, I just know in my gut that like, I am healthier now than I was years ago, but I feel like that should be a conversation maybe for a part two of like, how do you get there with your body? And like, how do you stop comparing yourself to old photos of yourself? Yeah, I think that's probably a huge issue. I mean, obviously we've both struggled with it, still struggle with it. Um, but I think every woman especially can probably relate. And I think even a lot of men can relate to that. So mm-hmm. that'll definitely be something we touch on. Yeah, and I think there's probably going to be a lot of um, people listening to this episode and disagreeing with things that we're saying, which is totally okay. I think everybody has their own individual journey that they're going to be on to figure out what's healthy for them. And if you're listening, you're like, I don't think 2,000 calories is healthy for me. Then, like, you do you, whatever. Um, just trying to inform, like, any way that we can. But the the health community is just so confusing and so complicated and there's suggestions that coming at you from left and right. And you never know like what's going to work for you. Like ultimately if you're having trouble with this, then just start doing your own research. Um, I kind of want to like <laughs> talk about, or I kind of want to plug the course that I bought because I feel like it would be so beneficial for like anybody listening. Well, um, I was going to say, let's give some recommendations of places they can go or, resources okay okay so if you guys are listening to me and you don't think that like raw dairy and eating organic meats and stuff is crazy then follow um fallon danae on instagram well i'll we can link these people in the show notes um but she has a cookbook and a meal plan that i have bought both of them and they are phenomenal like they are so easy all the meals are great they're fantastic i've sent alexa a couple and she's made them and has loved them and i just love them and then Corey malloy on instagram i'm double checking her handle yeah Corey malloy um which i'll we'll put in the show notes as well that's the course that i bought and it's a course on restoring your metabolism and in this course is where i learned that like low libido wasn't normal, um, losing, obviously people know losing your hair is not normal, but, um, having cold hands and feet wasn't normal. Um, being irritable all the time wasn't normal. Having pain in your period is not normal. It's common, but it's not normal. Um, frequent urinating, like more than five times a day, not normal. Like all these things I learned in the course, And my mind was just blown. Like, it expanded my mind so much. I also have worked with 
health conscious clients in my own business who are in within the same realm, um, which got me into sourdough bread making um, and learning more about vitamins and minerals and all these things. So if you are interested in making your own sourdough bread, Homegrown Education on Instagram has a free sourdough making guide and it's great. That's how I learned how to make my first loaf of bread. Yeah, I got to start doing that. Um, okay. So for me, I am a big podcast girl, clearly. So um, I mentioned Ariel Lori. She hosts The Blonde Files. She's got a lot of great wellness tips um, and I think a very healthy take on it. The Skinny Confidential is one that I really like. And they'll tell you, you know, they've got different experts from every realm of the medical or wellness community. And they really encourage you to just kind of like take what information resonates with you. And obviously there's a lot thrown out there. They've got like over 500 episodes now. Um, not all of them wellness or medically uh, based topics, but... I think they've got a lot of really, really good experts on that are very informative. Um, and then The Doctor's Pharmacy is a podcast that I've recently uh, begun listening to and my naturopathic doctor also recommended. They've got a lot of great information and it's hosted by Dr. Mark Hyman. He's really well known in the like functional medicine community. So I think those are all great resources. And then again, the Beyond the Pill book, if you're thinking about coming off birth control or mm -hmm. if you're still on it and you want to know kind of what's going on there, that's really good too. Yeah, I totally recommend. Um, that's Dr. Jolene Bright, right? Brighton or however you say Brighton, I think. Yeah. 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 She has been like the pioneer in the female like wellness community of advocating for people to learn more about birth control and the damaging permanent effects that it can have on your body as well. So definitely look into that book if you can, or I think she has a podcast maybe. I, I feel like so. I discovered her on somebody else's podcast. Like she's on a lot of other people's podcasts and she might have her own podcast, but she yeah. knows a lot about um, female <laughs> reproductive health and stuff so also on that topic an app that i want to shout out that i'm like obsessed with is called 28 and it's kind of a cycle syncing app it's got free workouts it's totally free right now so get it before they start charging to download it but it will tell you where you're at in your cycle and give you recommendations of workouts to do based on that foods to eat um, energetically, like what you can expect. And that's been so eye-opening for me. I'm really loving that. So mm -hmm. that's another, I love, resource. I love how people are talking more about that now about how our energy levels fluctuate as females throughout the month, whereas men's only fluctuate throughout the day. Um, so we as females have to keep in mind and like educate ourselves of like, what times of the month should I be doing? Like, more slower movement like yoga workouts and stuff like that like when should i be weightlifting um and then i also use that same practice in my business for um when i schedule like new client projects to start so i s schedule them to start during my <laughs> 
ovulation phase because my energy levels are higher during during my menstruation phase my energy levels are lower and so i try to like not schedule any new projects to start the week the the week before my period and the week of my period that is genius yeah i feel like a lot of a lot more people are gonna start i'm getting way too crunchy now (laughs) you are the crunch master I'm trying to like keep it surface level for you guys, but I'm like really, really into this. So if you ever want to have any one-on-one combos, you guys feel free to DM me. I love talking about this stuff like all day. We could, we really could go all day talking about this. These are topics that we're really passionate about and we've done a lot of research on our own about, so feel free to hit us with any questions you've got. Yeah. Also, before we go, you if you aren't tracking your period symptoms yet or your menstruation, um, then download an app and get started. I feel like that's like I, a really good place to start. A lot of women don't even know when they're ovulating and they have no idea that there's like physical signs in your body that you can like look out for to know when you're ovulating which is like mind blowing to me that like we aren't taught these things. Um, anyways, download a period tracker app if you don't I'm, have one yet. I would recommend the cycle app because I mean, not to get into abortion rights and everything, but this app is based in Europe. So they follow all European laws, which means they can't provide any of that information to the government. Um, so if you were to have an unplanned pregnancy that you did not want to go through with, they, there's no way that officials could find that information through an app. Interesting. What's it called? 28 days. No, no, no. That was the other Wait. one. It's just, oh. called, like, <laughs> it's just called, oh, I'm sorry. It's called Clue. Oh, I. that's the one I have. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You I said really a different name one. and I was like, oh, I guess I got to switch up. I called, it, I called it Cycle, which would make sense, but yeah, um, Clue. Yeah, it. I have it's that clue. one. You can track yeah. all of your daily symptoms in there, which is cool. Yeah. It'll tell you when your period should start, all that. It's really helpful. So, yeah. Hopefully yeah. you guys got at least a little okay. bit of information. To this is very female oriented. So sorry to any men that were listening to this episode. I mean, our audience is like 2% It's like 2% men. men and it's like my husband, your boyfriend. <laughs> no, not even actually, my boyfriend. Actually, my husband doesn't listen either. So. <laughs> yeah, they, they don't support us. That's fine. Um, uh, yeah. All right. Whatever. Well, we'll hopefully continue this conversation soon and we will see you guys next Tuesday.